Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer, weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. We return to Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Brought to you by Digitex. Managed print services to keep your printing costs down? Yeah, Digitex does that. D-I-G-I-T-E-X dot C-A on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. It is 133 in Edmonton. Bob Stoffer, Brendan Escott with you. This is Oilers Now. As we are going to head off to our top story for Legacy Heating and Cooling. Get your AC today with no payments and no interest for a year. That's how you build a Legacy, Legacy Heating and Cooling. Game one, the Kings of the North, the Montreal Canadiens, going up against the Vegas Golden Knights. And to share some insight on that series, we head off to the River Cree Resort and Casino Hotline, and we are pleased to be uh, joined on the show once again by Mark Antoine Godin of The Athletic uh, in Montreal. Hello, Mark. How you doing? I'm good, Bob. How are you? Good. I'm disappointed that uh, the Oilers... Didn't get out of their opening round series. Uh, I will tell you, you'll you'll find this, and and I think you know I had a pretty. I, I like Montreal. I like the off season uh, that Mark Bergevin had. I was a little bit surprised where the Canadians finished, but you should know that about eighty eighty percent of the listeners to the show wanted to see the Canadians beat the Toronto Maple Leafs uh, in round one after Edmonton was vanquished. So, uh, uh, you know, I think that's more of a reflection on the Leafs than it is on Montreal. But <laughs> but, but it was surprising how it worked out uh when the so tell me the truth first of all were you surprised the canadians didn't finish a little higher in the regular season given how they upgraded their team and secondly were you surprised the canadians came back when they're down 3-1 against the leafs all right first question no i'm not surprised regarding where they ended up in the standings i had higher expectations for them prior to the season but uh the season as soon as uh COVID-19 hit on the team, delayed their schedule, and, you know, jammed up 26 games in 44 uh, days. Uh, It became an uphill battle for them. So uh, from that point on, you know, just uh, keeping up with playing every other night, uh, keeping up with the injuries and all that, and just trying to find that, that motivation to get going every night and not even having enough time to reflect on the past game because you're already thinking forward to the next uh it it made things very complicated for them so uh, bottom line no i was not too surprised i was surprised though that uh that they came back uh, 3-1 against the leafs uh a part of me thought okay it's possible after all it's the maple leafs but uh to see that the canadians had it in uh, in themselves to to uh, orchestrate that comeback that that's uh that, that that was quite impressive honestly yeah, you know, and it's interesting, Mark, because they go play Winnipeg, and first shift of the game, DeMello gets knocked out. Of, Dylan DeMello gets knocked out of the series, and he was yeah. one of their top. You know, he's paired with Morrissey. He was in their top four the entire time against Edmonton, and then as soon as Shifley hit Evans, I I looked at my wife and daughter and said, "He's done." Like he's out, he's done for this. I'm not talking about Evans. I'm talking about yeah. Shifley. I I'm I'm like he just took himself out of the rest of the playoffs. They're gonna have no choice. He no. took his team out of the playoffs. Yes. Honestly, I mean, and and somewhere, I mean, I admire how Paul Maurice decided to go to to bat for his player, his star centerman, and he said all the right things, and he went he, he went 
above and beyond of, of protecting his player. But I'm sure that deep down, he knew that Mark Shifley had put his team behind the eight ball. And from that point on, uh, it, it put them in a very difficult spot because Paul Stashney was already hurt. And, you know, you could see that their, their uh, center line was uh, all of a sudden very thin. And, and Pierre-Luc Dubois was not himself in the playoffs. So, uh, you know, it, it became a lot, a lot more uh, simpler for the Canadians to, uh, you know, to try to contain that offense. Which, you know, it just frustrates Oilers fans even more, but they need to remember is Carey Price had a 944 save percentage the final three games against the Leafs. Yeah. Con- Connor Hellebuck was at 950 against Edmonton. Like he was, and, and Connor McDavid couldn't get a call the entire series. Hasn't drawn a penalty in two years. So are the Canadians, <laughs> are the Canadians built to win in the playoffs with that and I know they don't have Petrie tonight, but with that big mark, with that big defense, and then a great goaltender and Carey Price, even though they maybe they don't have a McDavid or Dry up front, are they built to win in terms of how you need to build teams? Well, there's certainly that's certainly the hope that Mark Bergevin has, because that's that's how we conceive this team, thinking even though we might not finish first in the standings, even though there might be ups and downs during the regular season and some players that on, on some nights will look either slow or sluggish or what have you, uh, when come playoff time, we'll be there. We'll have, we'll have uh, you know, the, the proper size for it. We'll have the proper style of play, and uh, we'll have the experience. And you look at all the guys that, Benjamin went out to get uh, in the offseason, but also during the season, uh, you know, a, a bunch of Stanley Cup winners in there, a lot of experience uh, to uh, to try to, uh, you know, calm the waters. And you're going to have another test tonight uh, in Vegas. The, the Canadians have not played in the in a full building yet so and everybody knows how rowdy it can get in vegas so to end up you know game one of uh, of the semifinals of the stanley cup in a building like that in an environment that you are you're not accustomed to anymore well it'll it'll get you'll need a lot of poise and to be able to get all those guys that provide a lot of poise in the playoffs because of their experience it'll very come it'll come handy that's for sure you know what they say in Vegas, Mark? You know what they say? Yeah, they, they say plenty of things. They but, say, uh, well, no, I was going to say, they say <laughs> what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. Stays in Vegas, yeah. That, that's not, not with social media. What happens in Vegas usually beats you home, so you got to be careful when you're in Vegas. Mark Antoine Godin joining <laughs> us from The Athletic in Montreal. How much of this, look, we have Jerry Johansson on this show. He represents... Uh, Carey Price, and Carey, Gall- yeah. yeah. How yeah. much of how much of this is just Carey Price? Like, you know, you got a rested goaltender, and by the way, rested because they didn't have to overplay him because uh, Bergevin went out and got Jake Allen. But how much of this is about Price looking like you know that goalie that could play for Canada again if we uh, end up going off to the Olympics here? Yeah, well, okay, well, a couple of things. First, he's rested also because he had a concussion, so he didn't finish the season because you know he was he was barely uh, he was healthy enough to come back for the playoffs, but he, he finished the he finished the season on injured reserve. So, uh, but yeah, Jake Allen, I think that that was key in enable him enabling him to to you know to have a reduced workload. I think it was a priority for the Montreal Canadiens. They 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 
wasted, if you, if I may say so, some of uh, Carey Price's best seasons because they overused him, and and he was asked to to compensate for, uh, you know, the fact that at other positions that team was simply not not strong enough. Uh, but you know, Carey Price has been very. Um, inconsistent for the last four regular seasons. But one thing that has remained is that when come playoff time, he's always there. So I think that the, the, what we need to, to when we look at Terry Price now uh, arriving in his mid-30s or so, we have to say, okay, well, the, it might not be the guy who's going to be like the superstar goalie from October to April. Uh, he will he will need a, a quality backup to, uh, to give him a break, uh, you know, here and there. But uh, in crunch time, he's still that, that fierce competitor and that guy that can really step up his game. And the Canadians over time have not had too many of those guys that were able to, to really get to another level. And we tend to take Carey Price for granted. But year after year, and it's been true for, for you know, ever since he, he's been playing for Montreal, he always steps it up in the playoffs. But now the difference is that he's had a, a, a higher quality team in front of him. And it's not just about him. You look against against the Jets. I mean, uh, there's uh, there, some nights he was he was barely uh, making like three or four key saves. Uh, yeah, it was a lot more uh, against the Toronto Maple Leafs, where he really stood up and kept his team in the in, in, in the series. Well, I have an ongoing debate with my longtime broadcast partner, Mark, about who's better. Uh, Jack Michaels is a big fan of Mark Andre Fleury. Mm-hmm. And I'm I'm a Carey Price guy, so yeah. uh, I, I, we might we might have a bit of an idea. I think we both think that you know, between you and me, we both think Vegas is deeper. Are they deeper? Like the I mean, the Canadians are it, Tatar is not hurt, right? He's a healthy scratch. Is that correct? He is. Yeah, yeah. He's a he's a healthy scratch. They thought that they could have the Danilo Gallagher line going without him, and if he's not producing scoring chances and he's not converting those chances well on the defensive part of the game because that line always has a lot of defensive assignments they can find better alternatives in either archery lekanen or jake evans who is uh, you know who is still injured but he might come back at some point in the series so for tatar i think it uh, i mean wow. it seems as though it, it, it's it, it, it's the end for him with the montreal canadians because he he's one of those guys who's not stepping it up in the in the playoffs he's a regular season guy as far as we know so uh but yeah the canadians still have depth i mean they, they get they get hit by a couple of injuries having a guy like thomas tatar on the sidelines that that's that's not too shabby you talked about the acquisitions in season i i thought eric Stahl looked slow against toronto in the first couple games yeah but I, he's I he's, cer- he's come on hasn't he it's there's a there's this crazy chemistry that has developed overnight between him uh, Corey Perry and Yola Armia, and those three together, I've uh, I've brought in a type of cycling that's really not typical of Montreal Canadiens play, and uh, it's it's interesting because even though. Uh, they, they they barely played in their own end. So they, I mean, they they scored a few goals, but it's just simply the amount of possession time in the other in the offensive zone that's been so striking. So you know they 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 haven't. It, it seems as though they play the game at a uh, you know a, uh, at a slower pace, but they force. It's like a pitcher in baseball, right? From one lane to another, uh, the Canadians throw a fastball to the other team, then they throw a slider. Well, this is the change up. 
that that line there is the change up or or, or the, the screwball or whatever. They, they, it's definitely a, a, a change in pace, a change in rhythm. But uh, it, they threw off the uh, the Winnipeg Jets throughout that whole series. And I'm curious to see how it's going to apply against a team uh, that that's big in the from the Western Conference, and if they're going to be able to remain as effective against Vegas as they were, uh, well, at least against uh, against Winnipeg. You know, you mentioned uh, Deneau. Uh, why don't they just resign that guy? <laughs> yeah, I'm serious. No like, like yeah, yeah, to, I know. to me, he's not like, especially given that Kotkaniemi is not yet. I mean, it's pretty obvious that Suzuki's going to be pretty good. He's, yeah. you know, there's some people. Do you see the similarities with Suzuki and uh, Bergeron? By the way, uh, Patrice Bergeron. Do you think that's a fair comparison? Uh, I, I don't know. It's, it's to me, it's still a little bit far fetched. Even Claude Julien, when he first arrived, he he, he compared Suzuki more to Krejci than to Bergeron. Okay. Okay. Uh, I was mentioning Paul Stashny, very high hockey IQ guy. Maybe uh, he could be a guy like that too, uh, but he's de- he's defensively re- defensively responsible. There's no doubt there, but he's still, I mean, a second year uh, right. player. Um, but yeah, I, I agree with you. We can we, we know we we can see that he's going to be a top six forward. It's not as certain with with Kotkaniemi, hence the need for. For Philip Dano, and and you look at the quality of competition, the assignments that he gets night after night. I don't see the Canadians being comfortable in giving those assignments to either Suzuki or Kakinemi by next season, because if they do do that, well, how much is it going to amper their their offensive contribution? If they don't bring back Dano, it's going to have to be somebody else. Uh, he's he's a key player for them. But at the same time, Dano knows it, his agent knows it, and it's all going to be a matter of, you know, how 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 much are the Canadians willing to commit to this player? And it's, you know, we've discussed that before, you and I. It's, it's a tricky situation financially, tricky environment to negotiate a new contract, uh, especially for a UFA. So uh, I'm, I'm, I still, I feel like we've done, we've gone through all the stages and we're back to square one to where we were uh, a year ago with, uh, with Dano not having a contract and thinking, okay, well, am I going to be the last one when, when the music stops? Uh, it's, it, to me, he has proved his value to the Canadians, but uh, it, the money, money still has to work, and I think that it's, it's one of the biggest hurdles at this point. Well, I can tell you, other fans would love to see him as a third-line center in Edmonton playing behind McDavid and Drysaddle. Could you imagine how good Edmonton would be at center if that was the case? That would be yeah. pretty good. Yeah, uh, yeah not- that's true. Ironically enough, uh, Tatar is represented by Rich Winter, who lives in Edmonton. And mm-hmm. you already mentioned, uh, Yoel Armia. Uh, he is represented by, uh, Jerry Johansson, who's from Edmonton. And I could see both those guys making sense here. And I don't think the Canadians will get either of those two guys signed. You? Uh, Tatar, no. Uh, Armia, I think they're on the fence because. He's a guy who can frustrate you during the regular season, um, but he's he's their best penalty killer. The Canadians have have, have grown into loving their their bigger players, yeah. and I know that internally they they're, they're they really value his skill set. Uh, so it's a matter of consistency with Armia, uh, but I, I see. I see him having a better chance of coming back to Montreal than than Tatar. Uh, But, uh, you know, it's interesting. I think that Tatar still has some good hockey left in him, and uh, he's still a guy that, you know, the team that will sign him could be able to get, you know, uh, 
at least 20 goals from from him. So, you know, you put him uh, n- next to Dreisaitl, for example, and I think that you could have a very potent line. Yeah, well, I, mean, I look at uh, I look at Tatar, and I think that he could do what Tyson Berry did a year ago, right? Target Edmonton, sh- sign a short-term deal, drive some members. Mark, uh, Jeff Petrie, he's out for tonight, is that right? Yes, yes, he is. Uh, he's uh, getting closer, though. Uh, Dominique Duchamp did not commit for Game Two, but they're they're uh, very confident that he's going to get there. He's uh, going to get back in action, uh, not too late in the series. All right, tell us the truth here. Was there at, at any point during the season, especially when the Canadians were taking on some water late in the regular season, playing all those games, what, were there people in Montreal at all suggesting that maybe Bergevin had blown it? and should not be brought back out, or conversely, is everybody now on board? Uh, he's going to, by the way, he's going to win manager of the year. I'm going to tell you that right now. The managers vote for it. I believe he's going to win GM of the year. Uh, has he gone from the outhouse to the penthouse here and likely to get a contract extension? Oh, my God. In true Montreal fashion, from the doghouse to the penthouse, I mean, that. what more Montreal Canadian fan, fan base uh uh, how much more typical can it get than that? Yes, uh, the answer is yes. I mean, they uh, they have. I mean, even when the Canadians were 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 down one three against uh, against Toronto, I mean, there was plenty of second guessing and 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 calls for for him not to be uh, resigned. I mean, he's got one year left on his deal. Um, I mean, it, it gets to a point where it's going to be also up to him to decide. Well, do I do I stay in Montreal long term, or after ten years, I'll have enough. Uh, I'll just finish my contract and try to see if I can become a GM somewhere else. I mean, that's not out of the realm of possibilities either. But definitely, I mean, he proved that his he stuck to his plan. Uh, some people didn't like it, but his plan ended up working. So uh, for that, I think that it's going to be recognized by Jeff Molson. All right, uh, make the call. I got Vegas in six, but I wouldn't be surprised if Montreal won the series. What do you see happening here in this uh, playoff matchup between Vegas and Montreal? Well, on another station, I was asked my predictions, so I'll stay consistent with it, and I'll say uh, Vegas in seven. The Canadians will give them a run for their money. There's no doubt about that. I think you got a lot of people cheering for Montreal here. This is this is one where sometimes, like, you know what, in 2011, nobody in Edmonton wanted to see Vancouver when they were cheering for Boston. Uh, I think there's a fair amount of fans that wouldn't mind seeing the Canadians be successful. Maybe I'm wrong. Mark. Yeah, well, it's, whenever I go to Edmonton, there, there's still there's always uh, oh, yeah. Montreal fans, Canadians fans in Edmonton. Not as many as as in Vancouver, but it's a it's a it's a fairly friendly building. So I, uh, I I'm not support I'm not surprised you say that they've got some support there. All right, hey Mark, thanks for joining us on a busy day. Okay. Hey, no problem. Take care, Bob. You bet. That is Mark Antoine Godin of the Athletic, a longtime Montreal base writer, knows that market inside and out. All right, Royal Pizza, Pizza Pass, and so much more. Edmonton owned and operated for over 50 years. For a menu and a list of their 13 Edmonton and area locations, go online at royalpizza.ca or download the Royal Pizza app from the App Store. The Stoffer recommendation at Royal Pizza is a Mediterranean chicken. Brendan Escott likes the Texan. They got themselves a quarterback yet? I don't know. Uh, let's go to List Day and Oilers history. For many of you, I would suggest... It is probably one of the greatest days uh, you've ever been an Oilers fan. You go, you want to go ahead and set this up for us, Mr. Escott? Moving on. Bring the ball at the far side. That's broken. Here's a break. And it's Pisani. Scores! A short-handed goal for Pisani. And the Edmonton Oilers come out of the box, or out on the 
on this day in 2006 after opening the scoring 16 seconds into the game, Fernando Pisani scores shorthanded in overtime as the Oilers beat the Hurricanes 4-3 in Game 5 of the Stanley Cup Final. That is the first shorthanded overtime winner in NHL history. It cut the Hurricane series lead to 3-2, heading back to Edmonton for Game 6. UC Markkinen turned aside 21 of 24 shots in that one, Bob. Alice Hemsky, a two-point game. Yeah, first uh, game winner in overtime in the Stanley Cup Final. Of course, Wayne Gretzky had an overtime in the 88 series against the uh, uh, against the Calgary Flames. And here's your six degrees of separation. Uh, Mark Messier took the penalty against Calgary in 88. Steve Stales took the penalty against the Carolina Hurricanes. And Steve Stales uh, his stall location in the Oilers dressing room was Mark Messier's old location. So that was, uh, that was a wild one. I remember it well. Uh, I mentioned that I did a podcast today, The Outsiders with Bryn Griffiths and Robin Brownlee. Bryn actually sent me to, uh, game five. At that time, I was on the other station doing the drive show. I went to Carolina for game five. John Sexsmith and myself were side by side. And when they called that penalty on Stales, uh, I was like, you can't call that penalty an OT. Well, they did. And then just the crowd was shocked and stunned on the Pisani goal. Oilers, of course, came back, blew the Hurricanes out 4 nothing in Game 6. And then about 1,500 Oilers fans bought season tickets for Carolina so they could go to Game 7. One bounce game. 2-1 late in the game, and uh, Bassani got robbed on a rebound right in front. Man, Fernando was unbelievable that year in the Stanley Cup playoffs. It was a, a sight to behold. And again, for many of you uh, who didn't weren't privileged to grow up and watch the Oilers of the 80s like I was, uh, that was a special, special moment. No question about it. Reed Wilkins has an abbreviated version tonight of Inside Sports from 6 to 7. I'm going to assume there's going to be some CFL talk uh, around the Edmonton Elks and their return to play. Is that correct, uh, Brendan? Yeah, nothing finite yet, but I would assume the same. Okay, there you go. Uh, then we'll have uh, Game 1 of the Montreal Series between the Canadians and the Golden Knights live from Vegas. Tomorrow, Sportsnet's Mark Spector for the Horses and Horse Racing Alberta Live racing back at Century Mile each Friday and Sunday evening. Limited fan access, but you can always watch and wager online at hbibet.com. Post time is 6.15. Also, our Inside the Game analysts on the Oilers Radio Network, Rob Brown, will join us on tomorrow's show. Up next, the Global News Weather Traffic Update with Eileen Bell, followed by Rob Breckenridge from 2 to 3, and then the 6.30 chat afternoons with Jalen Nye uh, from 3 to 6. So long, everybody. Back at you tomorrow at noon. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad.